drive to create things. You want to make things happen with your words, your art, your music, and your life. But being creative in the midst of daily life is hard. When there are a million worries and responsibilities taking up space in your brain, you might start to wonder if it's really possible to make room for creativity in your life. Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're everyday creatives who are trying to figure it out right alongside you. We don't have all the answers, but we believe it's always worth the struggle to find room for your unique creativity in your life and in the world. I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor and a work-at-home mom of three. I'm a daily knitter and a sporadic writer, currently focused on sending out a monthly-ish newsletter called Creatively Yours and cobbling together enough words to finish my novel. Abigail Krebs, an avid home cook and sometimes writer and photographer over at Inkwells and Images. I'm also a work-at-home mom of two, learning to balance work and home and trying to find a little bit of time to do something just for fun, or even really just sit down. And you're listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. We'd be remiss in trying to continue on with the podcast, acting as if nothing is happening around us. 2020 has been an upheaval year for just about every single person on the planet. And while Ashley and I are both privileged middle-class white ladies in Midwestern states who are faring quite well during the pandemic, all things considered, our lives do still look very different than they did in March. So this season, rather than continue to explore how we fit creativity into our daily lives, something we are largely unable to do right now as we have in the past, we really wanted to explore a topic that has emerged as one we both care about deeply, and that is, how do we use creativity to make a difference? We're going to be asking our guests this season, and ourselves, how we use our art and creative gifts to make the world into more of the kind of place we want to live in. How does creativity de-stress us? How does it make a difference in our personal lives and our personal relationships? We hope this is a topic that resonates with you all as we dive into this season. We're not sure how we'd be able to approach the podcast any other way in our current climate. And we also want to say right here at the beginning of the season, we're going to be interviewing people who use their creativity to create change in directions that matter to them. We hope you'll get to hear from a wide variety of artists who hold a variety of views. None of them will be identical to our own, and we don't believe that they have to be. In this episode in particular, we're going to be talking about the pandemic and what our lives look like right now. The choices we've made for our families may not be the same as yours, and that's okay. We know that in this time, everyone is doing what they think is best. However, we do want to be upfront and say that race and issues of equality are not too political to talk about on a podcast that discusses creativity. First of all, everything's political. And second, the issue of equality for all people is a human rights issue, not something that we are willing to put up for debate. We hope you gain some ideas from our guests this season about how you can create change around the things that matter to you, regardless of where your personal views land. With that being said, we're going to start off by checking in and seeing what both of us have been up to over the summer as we've settled into this new routine of being home all the time and navigating life in a pandemic. So what does life generally look like for you right now, Abby, and how is that different from your pre-pandemic routine? (laughs) Um, In a lot of ways, it is the same. I mean, we live in rural Wisconsin in the middle of nowhere. So we can really go 
truly days without seeing another person. And then it all kind of seems theoretical. Scott is still going to his, you know, essential day job. I still work from home with the kids. The biggest difference has really just been losing childcare of all kinds for a very long time now. Um, I had just found a neighborhood girl kind of at the end here of this summer who was willing to come and watch or hang out with Arthur for a few hours once a week. And everyone was like at the same level of comfort with the risks that each family was taking. But now she's headed back to school this fall. So it was kind of a great thing for a very short period of time. And now it's going away again. So we're just, I mean... Like I said, life looks a lot the same in that we do the same things all the time. We just no longer go to the grocery store and we don't go inside of coffee shops. We order outside the window and things like that. So the same, but still very, very different. What about you? Um, I agree. It's largely the same, but different. I feel like a lot of that different is coming from just the mental and emotional stress of knowing what's happening in the world right now. Um, Mm -hmm. just like having that knowledge there, regardless of what your day-to-day life looks like does make things harder and more stressful and it's harder to focus and it's easier to be overwhelmed, which is a pretty big difference. As for actual practical differences, I was finally at a point with my kids where I felt like everybody kind of had their own thing to do. The girls were both in school. They were both in swimming lessons. My youngest was potentially going to start going to a childcare center this fall, which now is not happening. And it just sort of felt like the routines that we had spent years slowly building up have been taken away, which is really tough. Mm -hmm. And it sort of takes you back to those early newborn days when you're just home all the time and you have to figure out what to do with these kids. Um, We are also going to homeschool full-time this fall, which is not something I've done before. I've done sort of like a part-time homeschool. The girls' preschool was technically a homeschool co-op, so I feel like I'm fairly well-prepared to do that, but it was not part of the original plan. So um, just adjusting in that way and sort of grieving for the loss of what I thought this year Mm -hmm. was going to be. There's also been, as I'm sure you've felt the same, a lack of time and space for myself. just not feeling like I have room to be a person because I'm trying to keep it all together for everyone else in the house. Yes, I can definitely say that is true too. I feel like the grief for me didn't start setting in until the last maybe even week or two. I mean, we're recording this episode in early August and I think I just realized that even Arthur is missing out a lot this year and things that I hadn't really thought through yet. Like he, this would have been the first year he could have gone to VBS. This would have been the first year he was going to go to part-time preschool. Maybe this would be the first year that he could, you know, do all the things that a three-year-old can do when they're really starting to be much more independent and wanting a separate life from mom and dad, even in some ways. And I think just the last week or two, I've started grieving for him as much as for our family. And that has been, I mean, an unexpected sadness that's hitting like five months into all of this. Yes, I have kind of been feeling all the things for all of the (laughs) pandemic. Um, As an Enneagram 4, that's sort of our thing. Like we're used to feeling a lot of emotions and 
when fours are healthy, we're usually able to kind of find an emotional balance in the midst of that. But when things are just coming so fast and furious as they have been, I personally tend to just shut down, um, which is where I was at for a while. And when that happens, I know that that means that there's a lot that I'm holding back and not feeling. So I have been working on acknowledging all the things that we lost in this season like time with family and trips and the activities that the kids lost out on, like you said, grief on behalf of your kids. Um, journaling has helped me get through that a little bit. I mean, there's like, it's not magic. There's only so much it can do, <laughs> but it's helped. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Journaling is one thing that I just keep thinking I need to get back to. And there just, like you said, doesn't seem to be any time or space for anything personal for me right now. Like, um, especially still with a nursing baby, like my time is not my own and there's no physical distance between me and my children. Um, so yeah. And even just thinking through like, there's so many family and friends that Tennyson hasn't even gotten to meet. I mean, she's seven months, five months of which we've been in a pandemic. So it's, it's just, it's just a lot this year for everyone. I find that really like deep conversations are what help me get out of kind of like the wheel of anxiety is what I'm going to call it in my brain that just likes to recycle ideas and recycle ideas. But, you know, sitting in person with a friend and doing a deep dive on a conversation is just not not happening these days. And it's just not quite the same via text message or FaceTime or whatever. Um, Yoga does help me again when I make the time to do it the occasional bubble bath if you know everyone goes to bed at a decent hour and I can take the space for that is also really like calming and centering but like you I just tend to shut down and it's really hard to make space for processing everything that's happening I just kind of keep calling it emotional whiplash and for me Like I knew that 2020 was going to be a rough year with a new baby. Arthur was a very hard baby, which I've said here on the podcast before. And I was kind of bracing myself for more of the same. And Tennyson was born January 3rd and she was easy. And so like once February hit and once March hit, I was like, okay, this isn't going to be as bad as I thought. We're going to be able to go places and do things. And, you know, we're going to have a life this year. It's not just going to be a baby year. And as you all know, that is not what happened. Yeah, that is really tough when you are like, okay, I'm on the second time around and you know more than you did the first time and you think that it's going to look a certain way and then it doesn't. I mean, I think anytime you have expectations for something that don't pan out, which obviously no one expected this. So all of us are dealing with that (laughs) on some level this year. But when it's combined with having a new baby, it's particularly hard, I think. It's yeah, it's just been really wonky. And even a lot of the advice that people are saying, like, well, you know, get out of the house for a couple of hours by yourself without your kids and just take a walk. And that's hard when you're nursing a baby and Tennyson also like still at seven months refuses to take a bottle. So it has been a lot of just me, 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 me meeting all the needs. And I'm, I'm growing a little weary if I'm allowed to say that. Oh, you are so allowed to say that. It's completely (laughs) understandable. I think everyone is allowed to be weary right now. I know our creative lives are really rarely up to the ideals in our own minds, and that is definitely true now. So how are you fitting in creativity? If And if you are, how are you making it work? 
I mean, (laughs) it hasn't been great. It hasn't been easy. I have been making a really strong effort to make sure that I am knitting every single day. Um, It really helps me with anxiety. It helps me keep my hands busy so that I'm not on my phone because I'm bored or I just want something to pick up. It Mm -hmm. gives me a place to like kind of idly focus my mind. Like it's just the repetitive action over and over and over again. Like I've, I've been a knitter for years, but for the first time ever, I have blisters that are turning into calluses on my fingers. So I think I have really ramped it up (laughs) during the pandemic. Um, And that's, I mean, for the most part, that's been like my only creative outlet. I have done very little writing. I am trying to wrap my head around jumping back into the novel because I'm finally starting to feel that like creative spark come back a little bit, which I know Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to wait for that, but I mean, it's a pandemic. Come on. Like (laughs) we all get some (laughs) grace here. Um, The rules don't apply anymore. So I don't know how I'm going to find the time to fit it in. I feel like I'm kind of maxed out right now. And I also feel like I've needed more time to just sit and not do anything or not have anything to check off my list like I I need more space for nothing and I don't have any space for Mm -hmm. that nothing so when I get it it feels like writing is the wrong thing to fill it with yeah that totally makes sense and I know what you're saying about like the space for nothing I know so often in life when like everyone's finally in bed and I'm gonna finish cleaning the kitchen I will pop in headphones and listen to a podcast and I found myself the last handful of weeks and months like not doing that as often, like just like steeping in the silence mm-hmm. whenever I get a chance. So what are you listening to right now? I mean, the internet is just constantly bombarding us with new information and never more so than now. So where has your attention been turning to lately or like who are you intentionally seeking out their voice? Or not, like who have you like jettisoned maybe? Yes, so I'm super excited to talk to you about this because I feel like you also always have good recommendations for who's worth listening to. Um, So the one I'm most excited about is that we recently resubscribed to our local newspaper, which is where we try to get most of our information from. It only comes, we're only on the Sunday subscription. Um, So obviously we need to keep up with news throughout the rest of the week too. But on Sundays, we really do like a deep dive of our paper and find out... um, just a it feels like a it just feels more calming to read it on actual newspaper print like an old-fashioned person and take news in the way it was intended to be taken in instead of on the internet on social media somewhere so that has been wonderful the other thing that I listen to pretty much every day is NPR's Up First podcast just to get a general idea of what happened the day before Yeah, same here that I've been listening to that one for a couple of years. And I think it's just easy and to the point. Yes, I will say that I am trying to decrease how much time I spend on social media as far as voices that we're not listening to. The only person that I will check in with for COVID information, um, actually, there's two people uh, not say I'm just going to put a caveat right here. I'm not saying that I agree with every single thing these people say, but I do think that they can be uh, good sources of information. 
um, on Twitter. I like to follow Andy Slavitt, who is at a Slavitt. That's S-L-A-V-I-T-T. And on Instagram, you're going to laugh at her handle, but it's King Gutter Baby, all one word. And um, she is an infectious disease researcher who is working on COVID. So she's pretty in the know. And she does a lot of stories about um, the new research papers that have come out and um, just talking about different developments that I think are pretty informative. Um, I'm not saying that everybody is going to love these people because again, it's social media and on social media, you don't have to be unbiased. So they are, they are not unbiased, but they do have good information. So how about you? Who do you listen to? Well, you told me about Andy Slavitt. So I've been following him for a couple of weeks now and really enjoy his deep dives. That's really fun. Um, you're not the first person to recommend King Gutter Baby. So <laughs> um, I just think that's just a great handle. Like I said, I listened to Up First and have been for a while now. Every now and again, I try to catch the New York Times, the daily podcast, but they, I mean, it, it happens every day. There's just yes. too many and I can't keep up with them. <laughs> I will say that like never being in a car anymore has definitely cut down on my podcast listening time. And I find it completely impossible to listen to a podcast if either one of my children are in the room. I just, I can't focus on it. Or I get really angry at them because they keep interrupting me, which is like, the opposite reason that they should be in the room with me. So um, we would love to start subscribing to a more local paper. We just need to figure out what that looks like for us because we're in the middle of nowhere. Um, Like subscribing to the local Madison paper is going to give us Madison news, which is good, but that's not necessarily fitting for our actual local township. Um, Since I'm on the town board, I do get a newsletter that's a little bit more aimed at our demographic, but it's more statewide. So it's aimed at rural populations, but covering the entire state of Wisconsin. So it's not necessarily news that's happening in my backyard. So I really am like on the hunt for what is the news that's in my backyard and how do I get my hands on it? Otherwise, like aside from news, I've, like you said, been trying to be off social media as much as possible. Um, Over the last few years, I've done this. And then especially this summer, just tried to like log off and be in real life for a while. Um, I was really captivated by the 1619 miniseries by New York Times Magazine. It was a podcast series talking about history, but as it definitely relates to current events. So I would recommend that to anybody. It was extremely well produced as well. And then I just really love keeping up with pantsuit politics as much Mm -hmm. as possible. They also put out too much for me to keep up with in a normal week, but I really just appreciate how they talk about the issues and aren't afraid to say like, this is a gray area. We don't have the answer. And I think that is a perspective that can be sorely missed in our you know, everywhere information right now. Yes, I definitely agree that pantsuit politics is a must listen, although they do put out a lot of content. <laughs> um, but it's, yes. I mean, even if you only listen to half or a quarter of what they put out, it's, I don't think they are someone that you turn to because you are going to agree with every single thing they say. That shouldn't be why you turn to any news source. But mm-hmm. they get you thinking about how to engage in politics and how to actually make changes without 
completely destroying your relationships with people who disagree with you in the process, which mm -hmm. I think is something that we have kind of lost sight of how to do as a country. <laughs> Most definitely. And also just for fun, um, I have loved listening to every single new episode of the Home Cooking Podcast that Samin Nosrat and Rishi Hiraway have been putting out. Have you listened to that one? I, it has been on my list ever since they started it at the beginning of the pandemic. And yeah. I have not made time for it. I'm so behind in podcasts. I need to just it, give up really and like delete many of them off of my feed and start <laughs> over. <laughs> Same. Well, I think that one is just, I mean, it's fun. It's also educational. It's, you know, going through how to cook what you have in your house right now. They wanted to do a four-part series to get through the pandemic, and they are now on part six because things just continue. Yes. So you have six episodes to look forward to. I feel like I'm going to listen to that and then think, where was this when I was first married and didn't know how to make dinner? <laughs> yes, definitely. So that is one thing that is just kind of like helping me face the world right now is, I mean, cooking, we have to do it. So here we are. Um, I'm also reading a lot and trying not to plan anything farther out than like two weeks. So that is, that is what's going on here. What about you? What is helping you kind of face everything that's going on right now? Yeah, definitely, definitely reading. I'm rereading the Harry Potter series right now, which is such great comfort reading. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's just nice to dive into something that someone else has already written that does not mention the pandemic at all. I feel like so much of my reading online <laughs> is about current events and being able to dive into novels that have nothing to do with that is really nice. Um, mm -hmm. I will also say this is probably kind of an unexpected one, but getting more organized in my daily and weekly household routine so that our house is not trashed all the time now that we're home 24 seven has been really, really helpful in actually being able to relax in our space and enjoy being home. Um, the lazy genius Kendra Dachi has the podcast that is perfect for this. If you want more tips about organizing your home and housekeeping and cleaning and that sort of a thing. Um, it's not something that comes naturally to me, but I've no, I've realized like the further I pay attention to my own life, um, fours on the Enneagram go to one, which is the perfectionist when they are in health. And ones are typically very routine oriented, very checklist oriented, very like this is what I'm going to do. Um, and they get their stuff done. And I am such a happier, more well-adjusted person when I actually get my stuff done instead of waiting until I feel like cleaning because I never feel like cleaning. So um, ah. sticking to some better housekeeping routines has been kind of a lifesaver when we're all at home all the time. Yeah, no, that is a really, really interesting point to be more organized because you're not leaving the house because you're there and you want to enjoy it instead of just looking around going like, why is this a mess all the time? Which is what we've currently been yeah. doing. Well, and I know for those of us who are moms, often our default is to wait until you get some time that the kids aren't there to mess things up again. And that's when you do your deep cleaning. And it took me like four months to realize, oh, that day is not coming. I need to clean my house. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I know Scott and I are both very clutter averse to begin with. And so we were like, house is picked up at the end of every day. And even the last few weeks, like our energy has been waning on that. We're like, it's just going to get messy tomorrow. So I think we need to get back on the like daily task bandwagon yes. at this point. 
So we know that we have both been doing lots of reading to help us through the pandemic. So we're going to talk through some of the books that have been keeping us sane over the summer with this mini book club. So first up is some of our best summer reads. What did you have, Abby? Yeah, best summer reads. I narrowed it down to two. One is, you know, a quote unquote real literature pick that I would actually recommend to people. And that would be Red at the Bone by Jacqueline Woodson. And this is just a phenomenal novel. It's beautiful and in, um, I think, a, a prose that is unique to Jacqueline Woodson. I don't know if you've ever read anything of hers, but I've read a few novels now and they all have this like signature sparse language that also just says so much in just so few words. I have not read anything by her yet, but that sounds fascinating. I would love to read some of her work. That's a, she sounds like someone who would be good to read for writers who are looking to improve their craft by reading good books. (laughs) Exactly that. She is a definitely a writer's writer. Um, So that is my real literature pick. If you just want something gorgeous to take your mind off of the world, read at the bone. Um, Absolute engaging fluff. I fell down a dystopian novel hole for a day, and that was with The Selection by Kiera Cass. And that is just like a Hunger Games divergent kind of book with a like really elegant flair, but also like Hunger Games meets The Bachelor. Have you read that one? I have. It was slightly too fluffy for me. I did not continue with the series. Yes. It's a like the actual series is like 10 books or something. It goes on for a long time. Oh goodness. Um but they it's a I don't want to say older. I don't know when it was published, but the series is complete. So it's one of those ones where if you want a fluffy book, you can readily get it from your library, I'm sure without waiting in super long hold lines. Um and it is an interesting concept. I think it might just be the time that I read it that I was like, no, this is too fluffy for me. If I read it right now, I might have been like, ah, yes, something to take my mind off of the world. Exactly. And that's what it felt like. Like it was just pure entertainment. And I have never seen The Bachelor. I It's not the kind of television show that I think I would ever watch. But The Bachelor in dystopian young adult novel form is very entertaining. So that's what I've been up to. Yes. What about you? So I already talked about Harry Potter, which is like probably my <laughs> best summer read, if I'm going to be honest. Like Harry Potter books are always perfect for summer for me because that's when they all used to come out when we were kids. So you'd go to the bookstore yeah. in July and that's when your Harry Potter book would be released. Uh, one other book that I read this summer, I can't remember if I've talked about it in a previous podcast episode or not because I read it, I think, back in May. I may have already talked about it. I don't know. Time has no meaning anymore. Um, but that is Pride by E.B. Zaboy. That is a really, really well done retelling of Pride and Prejudice that I would recommend to anybody who's a fan of the original. Yeah. Who doesn't need Harry Potter as a recommendation, I guess. Yes, yeah. exactly. So what about any nonfiction reads that have really like changed your perspective this summer? So that for me is going to be Becoming by Michelle Obama, which I listened to as an audio book and I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure the actual written book is great as well. But it something is. about hearing her read it is um, like she's a really excellent narrator. And there's something about listening to memoirs read by mm-hmm. their authors that I think is really, really compelling. Um, and 
in this book, Michelle Obama just sheds so much light into her husband's presidency, and it completely changed the way that I see both of them. Um, it really shed light on them as people. And I, for one, oftentimes forget that politicians are people. And I think it's really important to remember that our current president is a person and our current Congress people are, you know, they're human beings. And in our current political climate, it's really hard to see them that way. But in becoming Michelle Obama spoke so much to what actual life is like in the White House. And it was just a really interesting perspective that kind of opened up my eyes. And then also hearing about her childhood growing up in Chicago was um, riveting. I think it's something that regardless of your political leanings, um, I think it's a book that's worth reading. It was very well done. Yes, I read that one last year and really enjoyed it for many of the same reasons that you have. And like you said, her growing up years in Chicago, just seeing what formed her was so fascinating. And I definitely have heard that the audiobook is great. So hearing your recommendation makes me almost want to check it out and listen to it in addition to having had read it. Yes, highly recommend. Yeah. So what is some nonfiction that has changed your perspective? Yeah, so I finally this year got around to reading Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. And I know it's a pretty popular one these days. Um, but it's Brian Stevenson is for anyone who doesn't know, is a lawyer at the Equal Justice Initiative. And his job essentially is to work with people who have been wrongly convicted of crimes and specifically people on death row. And he tries to get their convictions overturned, tries to you know find the evidence, find the legal reasonings why their convictions should be overturned. And for me, it was just eye-opening to see the ways in which our system, our, you know, like judicial system on top of the prison system is so flawed and so outdated and needs advocates like Stevenson to write it again. So for me, that was really, that was just a book that I could not put down. I had to keep reading, had to keep reading. And I did watch the movie as well. And I will say that movie was very well done, but it was a movie. And I, if you, you saw the movie and thought like, oh, that was good. That was a really interesting story. Like that is not the whole story. And I definitely recommend taking the time to read the book as well. There's just so much more information and so many other smaller stories in that book. And the ending is completely different. Like I really think it's worth reading. So that is one that's changed my perspective on, I mean, our entire prison system. And I think everyone should read it. I'm, I'm going to go so far as to say that one. Yeah, that is good to know that the movie is not as well done as the book. Um, because I have, I've been aware of this book for a while. Mm -hmm. And I've always kind of held off on it, partially because there are certain things that just hit me really, really hard. And wrongful convictions is one of those. Um, and it's, I just have always kind of been hesitant where I'm afraid that it's going to be too much for me. Yeah. Which is a privileged thing to be able to say. Yeah. And I know that there's a point where I should read it because it is something that I care about. And 
I just haven't. Yeah, and, and I should. And hearing your recommendation <laughs> reinforces that. Yeah. And and I'm going to say too, just knowing you and how you are a highly sensitive person, I would recommend the book over the movie for you. Okay. That is very, very helpful because there are, I have thought about the movie too and been like, well, it'll be faster to watch it. Maybe I should just do that. Everyone's talking about it. So that's very good to know. Thank you for throwing that in. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think start with the book most definitely. Um, and then I know this is a, a book that we've mentioned on the podcast before. Both of us have read it, but I did reread the TechWise family, um, which is subtitled Everyday Steps for Putting Technology in Its Proper Place. And this is by Andy Crouch. And I feel like in this world where now everything is on like a tech platform, like we're engaging with people via technology all day, every day. And sometimes that's the only way we get to engage with people. I know we've definitely been falling down the bandwagon of having our devices with us all the time and feeling overwhelmed by them. And so for me, it was just kind of the reset that I needed, the reminder that like taking breaks from technology, intentional breaks from technology is so good for our brains and our hearts and our minds and our souls. And we're like actively trying to incorporate more of those like technology Sabbaths into our like daily and weekly rhythms. And I think that's, it's helping. We've only been doing it for a couple of weeks now. And I think it's already like having a positive effect on everybody's attitudes. That's good to hear. That's one of those books that I would put up there with like Essentialism, another book we talk about all the time mm -hmm. um, that is worth revisiting, even if it's just to skim over the notes you took last time, at least once a year, um, because I also really enjoyed that. And I think it's something that I need to keep coming back to, especially as my kids get older and want to engage more with technology to make sure that we just set a good standard for that from the start. Definitely. And I think his conversation even, I will mention two conversations in here. The difference between leisure and rest that he draws is so impactful. The idea of like mindlessly consuming Netflix versus actively doing something that takes care of you. Really different conversation. And then another point in the book he makes about rest not really being true rest if your work is just piling up in the background while you're resting. That was really impactful for me this time around. And I do not have a perfect solution for how to keep my work from piling up while I'm not at my computer. But I know like deep down now that I need to figure out a system like that. Yeah. Like there's just so much good stuff in that book. Like everybody should read that one too. This is just the list of books everyone should read. <laughs> exactly. So what have you read this summer that's maybe like spurred you on into action in some way? So I read last month Visions of Vocation by Stephen Garber, which was recommended to me by Lisa Hensley on Instagram. I think her handle is at always Lisa Hensley. If you don't follow her, she is delightful. Um, she has really good book recommendations, and this one did not disappoint. It was, it's kind of difficult to wrap it all up into like a neat little bow, but it gives a different way of looking at work, your work in the world, your vocation, your calling, whatever you want to call it, um, particularly around, like it doesn't speak specifically to household work and kid work, but it that's what it made me think of in my own life. It's a book that asks you to examine your season of life and the things that you feel 
pulled towards and also the things that are right in front of you, even if you don't always feel pulled towards them, which is something that I needed to hear in a time where I'm like, how am I supposed to feel pulled towards housework and my kids when I'm with them all the time? Um, It just gave me a sort of a reprioritization of like, yes, writing is important. Yes, taking care of your kids is important. Yes, it will feel like you're doing the same thing every day. Yes, it will feel tiring at times. It's still the thing that you're here to do. Stop waiting for some grand moment because that's not going to happen and just do do your job basically um it was really kind of a kick in the pants for me I highlighted half the book I think and um it is from a Christian perspective so if you're not Christian probably not the book for you but if you are I think it's a really lovely look at work and calling oh man that is such a good angle to end on I think like a look at work and calling. I think we could all use a refresher on that right about now, especially as work and calling is going to look a little bit different for the entire school year, potentially for a lot of people here. That is what we have been reading this summer and how we've been just dealing with everything that there is to deal with right now. And in our next episode, we have an interview with Simone Griffin, all about kind of how she as a like licensed counselor uses both her expertise in counseling and her Christ focused um, decision-making to just get through the days. And she talks about writing poetry to process kind of the collective trauma that we're all experiencing. And she also talked with us about how to find a way to take a mental health day as a stay at home parent, which I know a lot of us are doing right now, whether because we've always done it or because this is how life is. But I think Simone has a lot of really great things to say that meet us where we are in this world at this moment. So we hope you will join her and us for our interview with her in our next episode. Yes. So excited to share that with you guys. So that's all for now, but we would love to hear from you with guest suggestions about who you think we should talk to this season about making a difference with their creative lives. So if there's someone that immediately comes to mind for you, even if that person is you yourself, uh, get in touch with us. You can email us at chasingcreativepodcast at gmail.com, or you can track us down on Instagram. We are at Ashley Brooks Writes and at Abigail E. Krebs. In the meantime, we hope you are finding a way to connect with yourself creatively and make a difference in your own life and in the lives around you. to the Chasing Creative podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by chasingcreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also join in the creative conversation by tweeting to us at Abigail E. Creeds or at Brooks Editorial or by using the hashtag Chasing Creative on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at chasingcreativepodcast at gmail.com. 
Thanks for listening. Until next week, go chase your creative.